Welcome to BizReads. I'm Mindy Kinnis, your host and industry reader. Don't have time to read? I read the best books on business, money, marketing, and mindset, so you don't have to. BizReads. More wisdom, more wealth. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of BizReads. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis. <laughs> So that was my husband, Sean, who is joining me for this episode, doing an impression of apparently how he thinks I sound doing biz reads. Well, I think I'm not classy enough to be on this show personally. So you're going to talk like this? So if I sound as sexy as Mindy Kinnis does, then (laughs) she talks about books. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. So the reason that I brought Sean onto this particular episode is that it is a brand new year. It's 2019. This is the first Biz Reads episode of the new year. And something has changed dramatically in our household. And I wanted to have him tell you a little bit about it. I learned how to read. (laughs) (laughs) Seemingly, yes. No, I fell in love with reading. Uh, I took my own advice that I gave to a friend many years ago. I challenged a friend, gosh, probably close to maybe almost 20 years ago, to read a book a week. He went on to read about 30 books in a row. I read like four books that year. And he exploded his company, and he attributes a lot of the success to that book challenge. The information that he learned, the momentum and the excitement that he gathered from everything that he read. So fast forward to today... And I decided that this year, in 2019, I was going to take my own challenge, doing a book a week. And I am happy to report that I've already got two books in, and we're finishing the first week. So So you are ahead of schedule, which is is great. And I think I actually refer to that exact challenge back in the intro, the very first episode of BizReads. I think I talked about you guys doing this and how impactful that had been on him. So one of the books that I had recommended to you, I read this book back in 2016 after someone had recommended it to me. I was doing a business book club at that time, and one of the attendees, we were just talking about various books, and she was like, hey, have you read Built to Sell? And I said, no, I have never even heard of it. But she highly recommended it, so I had picked it up. It sat on my shelf for probably a few years until I read it. Then I read it and thought, holy cow, this is a great book, need to share it with everybody. Then we decided as a company to read together one book each month, and we will talk about them then, discuss them at our monthly focus meetings. And so I picked for the first one, Built to Sell. Which I loved it, and I just want to make one more reference to the book challenge, Mindy. I think everybody should set their book challenge I don't know if you recommend Goodreads, but that's one I of absolutely the... recommend Goodreads. Yeah, so Goodreads is a website that you can track all your books. You can track your friends' books consumption, their reviews. Uh, but anyway, so I recommend that they pick a certain number of books that they're going to read because it's just been sparking my intelligence, my excitement of new information. It gets me thinking. And so when I put my book list together this year... Uh, I spent about like four or five days on it. I, I pulled all of my friends, mentors, and friend tours, asking them what were the most impactful books 
that they have read recently or throughout their life and compiled the whole list, put some of the books that I was interested in, and then I, I sorted it so that every other week was either business than personal, and I'm so excited. You know, I'm, I can't wait to start my third book. But getting back to Built to Sell, uh, I have so many good things to say about this book. If those of you listening would like to follow us on Goodreads, we're both on there, so you can see exactly what we're reading and see our reviews for all of those books. We're always interested in great recommendations, so that will be super fun. On to Built to Sell, Creating a Business That Can Thrive Without You. It's written by John Warlow. And as I mentioned, I read this a bunch of years ago, but here's the setup. It's set. It's told as a story. So this fictional character named Alex runs this company called the Stapleton Agency. And they're in advertising and marketing. And he is looking to his mentor, a guy named Ted, for advice on selling his company. And then essentially the whole book is about their meetings, the things that Ted says to Alex, you know, you need to be doing this, you need to focus on this, okay, you know, go home and do this, and then come back to me, report back. And it's a bunch of great advice. And then you also get the sense, not just of the author saying, okay, step one, do this, step two, do this, but you actually get to feel the struggle of things like when he says, you know, your biggest client right now isn't a good fit and how that can feel as the entrepreneur, as the business owner, when you're like, wait, so you're telling me I have to give up this X thousands of dollars and not take that? What? Yeah, what I thought was interesting is if you just said in a regular business book that doesn't have a story attached to it, make sure that you do this, this, and this, you wouldn't have that emotional punch in the gut like you were mentioning. As an example here, uh, he has to give up this one client, which is a bank, and this bank had been a customer for years, paid him a lot of money, and it was money that he felt like he needed to be able to keep the doors open and, and run the company. And then it goes on to show that by turning down this client, it wasn't like it was immediately a good experience all of a sudden his wife is like, what do you mean we're not going to have a bigger bonus at the end of the year? And his employees are like, what do you mean you're giving up the bank? And then the bank is like, you're going to regret this. So it wasn't like this suggestion that his mentor made and then immediately it was a huge hit in his life and everybody's life. Instead, it was more like, wah, wah, wah. and then with time, it, sh it showed and proved to be a great suggestion. And the book is got really cool tips that are scattered throughout from the mentor. And if you just read the tips, you would get all the essentials for putting together the business and being able to sell a business. But it's the story that carries the tips into uh, your your desire to want to learn about these different suggestions. Yeah, and I actually have to hand it to John Warlow because I would say typically when I read a business book that is set up as a parable, as a story, I generally think it's pretty cheesy. Oh yeah, I, I mean, don't think most of them do it well, but I felt like this he he was able to pull it off. So I think that says a lot. So let's go through some of the highlights and the tips that Ted gives to Alex. One of them is don't generalize 
specialize. And this is a conversation that we have all the time in our own business because we offer a lot of things. And if we were meeting with this mentor, Ted, he he would take one look at our Mm -mm. company and say, you guys have way too many things going on. Not only too many things going on, but too generalized, you know, got to be a rifle approach. And it's a lot more comforting to play the spread, to to be a generalist, uh, because then it feels like more people are going to like you. When you become a specialist, as uh, Alex, the main character in the book, uh, experiences, in the beginning, people are upset with you because you're taking away services and money that everybody, both the employees, the customers... The family members of everybody are used to experiencing. One of the other things I really appreciated, because this was new to me, I hadn't thought about it before this, was he talks about having a product company. Now, that was interesting to me because generally we would consider ourselves a service company. We offer coaching and training. Those are services, right? But, and this is a quote, he says, When a service company is sold, the owners typically get some money up front and the rest of their money is contingent on hitting performance goals in the years ahead, which is an earnout. When you have a product, people expect to pay for it in advance. So just really distinguishing those psychological differences between we are offering a service or we're offering a product. How do you even describe what that is? He also says you can't be kind of a specialist. You have to do one thing. You have to pick something. This is something that I talk about with my coaching students all the time when we're talking about who is their avatar, you know, who is their target market, who is their ideal client, all of these things. And it's like, well, I just want to help everybody. Well, that doesn't work. Yeah. If you try to help everybody, you help no one because it's like going to a doctor and saying, you know, I'm having this valve issue with my heart. I want to go see a general practitioner or or worse yet, I'm going to go to the dentist and get a pedicure. You're like, wait, what? No, I'm here to get my teeth cleaned. I don't want a pedicure here. But if you try to be all things to all people, you end up freaking everybody out and nobody really takes you seriously. Well, I think, and that's a very scary thing to yourself when you say no to opportunities or no to other clients or no to other business no to money outside of your specialty because you're like wait i'm then saying no to that money which which seems crazy in the long term though it's absolutely the thing that you must do so he talks about that a lot saying no to the projects that are outside of your expertise He uses the example of Southwest Airlines. They only used one type of Boeing model airplane. And why do they do that? Because that then allows them to specialize in both their service, so the flight attendants know everything about that, but also the maintenance and the pilots. They're just used to exactly how that plane operates, where everything is, how it runs, and they then can more easily see if something is missing or something is wrong because that's the only plane that they use which is really really a good way to do things another thing he talks about is that two sales reps are always better than one and again i hadn't really considered this because i at that time had never hired a sales rep so i hadn't even thought about this but it does make sense because if you think about sales people they are by nature very competitive 
And that's a good thing. That's exactly what they need to be for that role. And so by having two of them, they get to compete against each other. And there is more of that that drive, that urgency, that, hey, I'm going to win this. Killer instinct. Mm-hmm. So that can actually come out when you have two instead of just hiring one salesperson for your company or for your product. He talks about how no one client should make up more than 15% of your revenue. Now, this can be very scary again because I've had friends who have some very large clients that they don't necessarily like working with. For whatever reason, it's just not a great fit, but they are terrified to let them go because they are making up such a big percentage of that revenue. But that also then is putting all your eggs in that basket. If anything happens to that one client, that's just a huge chunk that's automatically gone. So not only do you need to say no to wrong fit clients, but you need to keep it diversified so that you're not putting all of the pressure onto just one aspect. Well, and Ted made it very clear, nobody's going to touch your company if 40% of your revenue comes from one client. Right, because then what if that one client disappears? Well, so does your company. Exactly. What are you left with then? This part was one of my absolute favorite pieces of the whole book. And it's very reminiscent, and I would say a lot of these things that he talks about are also reminiscent from Strategic Coach. That's a program that I go to, and I'm pretty sure the author of this book has been in that program as well, just because a lot of this stuff is very, very similar to the things that they teach. But he was talking about firing that largest customer, you know, or your, your biggest paycheck. But if they are a wrong fit, they've got to go. And this is what I want to actually read to you, the quote. These guys go out sailing, and if you have ever sailed, you know how that can feel when you go to turn the boat. And this is what Ted says to Alex. I'm asking you to make an, a 180-degree turn in the way you think about your business. It's a little bit like a jib. With that, Ted pulled the tiller hard toward him. The boat careened downwind and keeled over at what seemed to Alex like an impossible angle. The boom followed the boat's turn and swung violently from one side of the boat to the other. Ted pushed Alex over to the other side of the boat while he pulled in the sail and positioned himself next to Alex. The wind filled the sail with a thwack. Ted hiked out so that his feet were on the gunnels and the boat started speeding for the shore. This is what he says. This is brilliant. To jib properly, you need to pull the tiller all the way to one side. There is a moment when you feel a little out of control just before the sail flips sides and starts catching wind on the other side of the turn. You can't half commit. If you don't pull the tiller all the way toward you, you'll never turn the boat and you'll end up in the water. It's such a great metaphor for some of the decisions that we all need to make as business owners in our business. It can feel very scary, like we're just tipping the whole thing over. But if we don't fully commit, we're only going to get half-assed results. And then we're going to either say, oh, well, that was a failure. It didn't work anyway, or, you know, come up with some other lame excuse. But the reality is you need to go 100% into some of these things. Another distinction that he offers is clients versus customers. He says that service businesses call their people clients. And we've always called our 
customers, clients, because they are, you know, the client that comes to work with us. But if it's a product-based company, they're customers, which I just found that interesting. They also said the difference between a firm and a company. And they said if you have a firm, then it's kind of seen as like small and service-based, but a company... Like a is law something, firm. Yeah, some, a company is something you can sell. It is something that is product-based. So at the end of the book, he gives an implementation guide, which I thought was pretty helpful. He also summarizes all the tips from TED that he gets. So as Sean mentioned, if you just were to read those, they can be helpful. But I think to really get the whole point and, and why it's so important, it's helpful to read through the whole story. It is a very fast read. It's on Audible, maybe what, four hours? Four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. So pretty quick to read. He does briefly touch on the subscription model, which then he actually ended up writing a whole other book about called The Automatic Customer. I just read that one recently, so I will be putting that on BizReads as well. That was another great book. So, Sean, what would you rate it? I would give it five stars. I found as a business book, it kept my attention. I retained, because of the story, all the lessons. And I didn't think I was going to like it because I have no intention to sell a business, as you were mentioning. Uh, but it's really more about, like, if you, what's the subtitle? It's about to build a... Creating a business. Creating a business that you can thrive without, without you. you. Now, I noticed a previous version of this book, an earlier edition, the subtitle was about uh, exiting your company. Mm. And then I think they redid the subtitle to say, hey, it can thrive without you. Which is another strategic Which, coach thing. Like okay. you, you should be able to not be there and your company should actually work better. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the quote that I heard at a conference recently. They said, everybody exits their company. Everybody. Either through death or sale or merger. Bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. Everybody exits their company at some point. So you might as well build a company that has a powerful exit strategy. I would say the most impactful line in the book, and I'm paraphrasing, but it talked about Ted saying to Alex, if somebody is working with your company because of the process and the results that they gathered, uh, that's good. If they chose your company because they liked how you made them feel as the business owner and that they... They were fond of you as the business owner. That is bad. It's bad for multiple reasons. It's because your business is not succeeding because you have a great product or service. It's succeeding because people just like the charisma that you bring or they the energy. They think you're a great person. They think you're a great person. <laughs> and it, that like was a punch to the gut. And I was like, oh, yeah. I think a lot of my customers would say, we just love working with Sean. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, time to go back to the drawing board. Well, and we also have talked recently because... Over last Thanksgiving, you were in the hospital for a few days, and I remember you saying, I couldn't give a speech right now if I wanted to. So having that ability of systematizing what you're offering and maybe offering it in different ways or figuring out how your team can help your business thrive while you're not there, that they're so important because you don't know what, whether it's an illness or just your personal preference, you know, you want to go do something else or spend your time in other ways. It's always great to think through these things. I feel the power of books like this is to shift the way you see yourself, 
see your business and move forward. Not necessarily any one thing that you gathered, but who you become from reading it. Overall, I gave this book four stars out of five. I thought, like I said, it was, you know, easy to read. It had a lot of great points. It was very interesting to me because it wasn't things that I had necessarily thought of before. And realistically, it's not necessarily about selling your company because we have no intention of selling our company. But I think it's very helpful as the business owner to have these things in mind because whether you sell or you don't sell, you want your company to be as streamlined as possible and as efficient as possible. So I very much enjoyed this book and I would highly recommend it. So Sean, thank you for joining me on this episode today. I hope that I get to come back. I've got 52 other books. Uh, Only half of those are business books. Well, that's true. Actually, some of them are both. crossovers. So I probably could sneak them into this podcast. I don't know about A Wrinkle in Time. No, that one, not so much. But I got a lot of good ones. Okay, well, maybe Sean will be back. Thanks ever so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to BizReads on iTunes and leave a review of the podcast. Visit bizreads.com to learn how to become a BizReads insider and receive my exclusive author interviews. I'm Mindy Kinnis, your industry reader. I'll catch you next time on BizReads. More wisdom, more wealth.